News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at .com. Uh Also, the podcast. Get the podcast on any of the major podcasting platforms. Well, all of them, probably. Um, even the minor ones. I don't. They all pull from the same code, although... There has been a, I had to do a migration of the RSS code, and I don't want to get all technical about it, but there was a bit of a glitch on some platforms, so uh, we're working to correct the redirect on some of that stuff. So if you got a problem, shoot me an email and uh, let me know so I can uh, target whatever platform is uh, messing up. But generally speaking, 99% of them, it's all fine. Go to WBT.com, although that's got the old yeah, that, that's suffering from the glitch. Working on the redirect now, though. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, what else? Oh, Twitter and Getter and Facebook and MeWe and Parler and Locals and Patreon. All right, there's just tons and tons of outlets I'm on. But Twitter's basically where I live. And on the radio, of course. So let me get over here to uh, Mitch. Hello, Mitch. Welcome to the show. What's going on, Mitch? Hey, I just wanted to say, you know, I think I heard when I got in the car for my last service, I heard you say that there were 700 people in the hospital in Mecklenburg County for COVID. With the number COVID. I would really like to know is how many of those, because everywhere they've audited now, it seems that the number 49% keeps coming up. How many of those in the hospital went in for something different and was giving a PCR test and thought, oh, congratulations, you passed positive for PCR. You're now a COVID. You're, uh, you're now a COVID, stati COVID statistic, even though they went in because they had a broken leg or they went through the windshield in a wreck. Right. This is, I mentioned this earlier, this is the difference uh, with COVID versus from COVID and um, the hospitalization numbers, and they conflate all of these groups. Now, I understand, and what Dr. Reynard Washington said in his presentation was that you've got resources that have to be devoted. Once somebody pops positive as COVID, then the hospital does have to, you know, step up the protocols, basically. So there does put... Uh, it does put strain, additional strain on the hospital when someone tests positive. But then this gets into the PCR test, which you've just mentioned, um, and your cycle threshold counts. And people have been critical at the cycle thresholds that they run. If it's, you know, anything above what, 22 or 28, I forget now, uh, that, that it, you're going too deeply, you're, you're using them incorrectly. So it, it raises all of these other types of questions that he does not address. And I don't know, like, I don't know why they don't take these questions up. I, I really don't. I, I, maybe they're not aware that people ask them, and that's why I do whenever I talk about this stuff. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Maybe they don't have people around them to ask these questions because everybody around them just is in sort of a, a similar mindset. I, I don't know. Or or it could be, just like the whole thing, all this mess just to scare the you-know-what out of us about a virus that has a lower statistical death rate than the common cold. Common that cold is not true. No, 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 the people don't, that's not a lower death rate than the common cold. Lower statistical death rate than the common cold. Common cold is 2.2. You're telling me people die from the common cold? Yes, people die from die from pneumonia and other. Uh, no, no, all right, 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 right. Okay, so hang on a second. You just shifted that. So pneumonia, because I've seen that I've seen the the data on pneumonia and flu, influenza, 
and flu and flu and flu and is that what you're talking about? Because the common cold doesn't kill people generally. It's a secondary infection. Right, right. So, right. So, when you're talking about the causes of death, you're talking about influenza and pneumonia, right? Pneumonia from having influenza or from having the common cold. Yes. Okay. No. But right. they. But they. Uh, but had you not had the influenza nor the common cold, you wouldn't have the pneumonia. Right. So this is part of the problem with the death statistics and the way they're collected, in that. What is it that you actually die from versus a complication from, right? So if somebody has cancer and they get pneumonia and they die of pneumonia, did they die from the pneumonia or did they die from a weakened immune system because they had cancer and were undergoing chemo treatments? What's the cause of death there, right? I mean, that's well, like, honestly. The death, so, the death certificate would say pneumonia. So, well... Not necessarily. So this is, and, and so this is what I mean. Like different jurisdictions, there are there's guidance that's put out on this stuff, but there are different states, and they handle it differently. And all of this stuff kind of came to the surface with COVID. We started learning that there are different ways that states do this, and that has been a mess with the data collection. I so uh, Mitch, I'm going to say I don't believe that your stat on the common cold is correct. I will ser- I will do a, a quick search on, during the break about that. But the data that I have seen over the last two years, going back and looking at the previous years, because you can't look at the current years of uh, 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 death uh, from flu and, in, and uh, pneumonia, because they it's always a lag when they compile the data on those things. But the common cold argument, like that's a, I know it's a sounds like a really good argument, good soundbite. I don't believe it's true. I don't. I don't believe people die from the common cold. They may die from complications that arise after. From complications from the common cold. No. Yeah. yeah no. I disagree with that. And where COVID actually just kills you flat out, right? It it attacks you, uh, one of your or more of your organs if it's going to kill you. Sure. But right. Right. Ninety ninety eight plus percent of most Americans who had it survived it. Mm-hmm. No. I look. I understand that the the that the the chances of dying from COVID. And this is and this is my pushback is because while what you said sounds good, like I said, as a good soundbite, it is if I can like when I go to break, that's what I'm going to search for. And if I can find a a search result that debunks it, that's how fast you lost me. And that's and that's what I would just urge against, because you're better off if I mean, think about who it is that you're trying to uh, to convince. Right. People who already agree with you on your risk assessment of the COVID virus, you're not trying to convince them. They already agree with you, right? So you're trying to convince people who have a misperception of the risk in the other direction, right? They, they think that it's way riskier to them than it actually is. They're not going to be persuaded by what you just said. It's not going to work. Now, what will persuade or has a better chance of persuading... right, all right, I'm going to put you on hold there because I'm getting, uh, I don't know if that's your uh, your uh, NAV system. Sounded like Siri talking to me. But, uh, and Mitch, I appreciate it. But the uh, the way to, the better way to make inroads towards persuasion, I would submit, is to not discount by comparing to another, you know, common cold kind of slogan, but rather to talk about the actual risks in their demographic and to break it down. Because... The truth is obvious. If you look at the comorbidities, you look at ages, um, the risk breakdowns 
as you said, are very, very, very low for everybody that's outside of the older demographic and um, those with comorbidities, particularly obese people, right? Like, that's the greatest risk. Everybody outside of those, very, very low risk. Very, very low risk. Like, chances are, like you said, like 99%, you're going to be fine. So I, I think if you approach it from that perspective rather than saying, rather than the common cold, because at face value, I'm just going to say people don't die from the common cold. That sounds completely crazy, but I may be wrong. I'm going to find out. Tell me, have you ever heard of single premium life? Because I think that really could be the ticket for you. Oh, God, it is so good to see you. Uh, what are you doing for dinner? Uh, something else. It's been great seeing you, Needlehead. Take care. <laughs> Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Happy Groundhog Day, if I haven't already said that. Uh, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. So um, looking at uh, just doing some searching around uh, over the break uh, about the common cold stuff. And so, no, common cold is not what kills you, as I suspected. Uh, and I think even Mitch then clarified uh complications that arise which would be the flu which would be you know influenza or pneumonia like those things would come in those things so like the flu seasonal flu that has a case fatality rate of 0.1 to 0.2 percent according to the cdc um the problem in trying to determine what the cfr is for covid19 is that there are a lot of challenges in trying to capture the measurement, right? So early outbreak numbers, the CFR could underestimate the true risk of the death. You also have a problem with identifying the actual case numbers. And this on both sides, because you got the PCR uh, uh, problems with too many cycle thresholds, but uh, too high of a cycle threshold. But then you go uh, the other direction where people who get it never get tested to get confirmed that they had it, and they don't get added in. So on the one hand, you're adding too many cases. On the other hand, you're not adding cases, right? So this is part of the problem. Now, the like, you could end up, so you've got the, the CFR case fatality rate where you're relying on cases, then you have an infection fatality rate. And by the way, all of these numbers are going to fluctuate based on your age, apparently also your gender, and I'm not sure how COVID finds that out. I guess it asks for your pronouns or something. But uh, And then it also, you know, your comorbidities. Are you obese? Do you have asthma? You're immunocompromised. Same holds true, by the way, for influenza and pneumonia and any real, uh, any ailment, right? Like if, you, if you're already immunocompromised and you catch something, the chances are greater that you're going to have a harder time getting past it. So... Uh, no, like I, so I'm not one of these people. I'm sorry. Uh, again, open to be persuaded, but so far I haven't seen it. It is not just the cold. COVID nineteen has already killed a whole bunch of people in a really terrible way. I'm not on the it's just the cold bandwagon. When people are drowning in their own phlegm, uh, I, I'm not on the wagon to say that's just the cold. It's just a bad flu. That's not. That's different. 
Because I also believe that it came out of a lab. I think the evidence is at least 51% in favor of the lab leak theory. And so I don't believe that something that came out of the lab like it did, we don't have any real idea. I mean, I got a story, hang on, in the stack of stuff um, about this, what is it called, Kiribati? It's some remote, here it is, isolated island in the Pacific. Yeah, yeah, uh, Kiribati. Isolated island nation in the middle of the Pacific Ocean has a population of about 122,000 people. It had closed its borders 10 months ago, has not had a single COVID case, okay? It's because they locked themselves down. They were like, nobody comes into the island, right, or onto the island. That's it. Well, they finally opened it up. And they got a a chartered plane that came in filled with missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And everyone had to be fully vaccinated. They had to test negative for COVID-19 three days, or sorry, three times in Fiji before they got to Kiribati. Then they had to sit in quarantine for two weeks before the flight. They were put in quarantine with more testing when they arrived home. And now there's an outbreak of COVID on Kiribati. They, 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 they got, now they've tested positive. Like, something tells me there's some stuff going on with this that we don't fully understand. Maybe because it came out of a lab? Just spitballing here, just throwing it out there. So no, I don't believe it's just the flu. I don't believe it is going to kill everybody, like a lot of folks on the left believe, like for some reason, like I saw the video of some librarian, she's like triple masked behind the plexiglass using tongs to, you know, move stuff around because she doesn't want to touch anything. Like there are people that that they've, they've gone, they've gone insane. Like this, like there's a panic across the world right now and people succumb to that. I don't know why I haven't. There, by the grace of God, go I. I I don't feel like I have succumbed to this panic. I think other people have, though. And it breaks my heart. And that's why I'm trying to do my best to not add to that. I don't want to add to that panic. But I also am not interested in minimizing what could very well be a threat to people who are... Obviously, you know, immunocompromised, they are old, they are obese, they are real risks of catching it and dying from it in certain cohorts. And yes, those people should take steps, which is why I am of the philosophy, we're practicing battlefield medicine, right? That's why I want to see all of the uh, the protocols the Zelensky protocol, I want to see, I got a study here in the stack of stuff about ivermectin that just came out. Yeah, oh, shocker of shockers, they gave it to a bunch of people, and look at that, it helped them. So, yeah, like, give people the stuff that works. Try it. If it works, it works, tell other people. If it doesn't work, don't keep doing it, move on. That's the idea here. At least that's my impression of battlefield medicine. I wouldn't know, I'm not a battlefield medicine expert. So, just a radio guy. How do you know so much about Punxsutawney? We've spent a lot of time here. Yeah. Small town people are more real, more down here. That's how I feel. Really? Would you like to try some white chocolate? Yuck. It'll make me sick. No white chocolate. There is something so familiar about this. Hmm? Do you ever have deja vu? Didn't you just ask me that? News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Groundhog Day is today. And uh, if you get a chance, watch the movie. If I haven't already said that, it's a good day to watch Groundhog Day. 
I get no royalties from that. This is not payola, plugola, whatever situation. I'm not touting anything that I derive personal benefit. I just think it's a great movie. I like it. Um, here's the story that I had. Uh, Ivermectin, U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved antiparasitic agent, according to a National Library of Medicine, National Center for Biotechnology Information. This is published uh, at the NIH website. Uh, Ivermectin found to inhibit severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2, or SARS-CoV-2, replication in vitro. A randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial was conducted to determine the rapidity of viral clearance and safety of ivermectin among adult SARS-CoV-2 patients. There were no severe adverse drug events recorded in the study. A five-day course of ivermectin was found to be safe and effective in treating adult patients with mild COVID-19. Larger trials will be needed to confirm these preliminary findings. That's the abstract at the NIH website, which, by the way, got flagged by social media as misinformation. (laughs) As spreading COVID lies. This is the NIH. This is what I mean. We're either practicing battlefield medicine or not. You're either interested in following the science and data, or you're just using it for your own personal agenda. Let me jump over here uh, to Jack. Welcome to the show. Hello, Jack. What's going on? Hey, hey, Pete, real quick. Yeah, I just wanted to give you, I heard you talking about the hospital situation a little while ago and bringing in the emergency reinforcements. Yeah. And uh, I got a firsthand account. I took a friend to the emergency room at Pineville Atrium about two weeks ago. And, man, it was unbelievable. I, I still can't get it out of my mind. Uh, the place was packed, Pete, and there were people uh, everywhere. There were, they were uh, in carts, on carts, on, uh, uh, in wheelchairs. I saw one guy who was sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden he couldn't sit on the couch anymore, and he rolled over on the floor in the, sort of like a fetal position. And uh, there was a guy who cut his hand and ran out the bathroom. His hand was bleeding. It, it was like third world, man. I mean, it was, and I felt so sorry for the uh, the hospital personnel because there's no way they could keep up with that. It was unbelievable. What were you in there for? I'd taken a friend there for, uh. and it was pretty much a non-emergency situation. So we didn't stay. Uh, she saw that she just waiting to go to her doctor the next day. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, they were. It was, and they people were were were, were talking. Uh, rudely uh, to the hospital people mm-hmm. and cursing them, and it was. I wish I, I couldn't take pictures. Of course, they wouldn't have let me done that, do that. Yeah. But uh, I wish I could have to show people what's going on. And this is this is in Pineville at the. And, and I'm thinking to myself, if it's like that in Pineville, you can imagine what it's like at these other uh, well rooms also. Right. Well, and as far as I know, the Pineville one, I appreciate the call, Jack. As far as I know, the Pineville location is the one is the only one that got the is getting the boost from the feds, as I understand it. Um, And uh, to your point here, I also have a message from Nick. He says, my father has been in and out of the hospital a few times since mid-October, non-COVID related, spent most of his time in Atrium Pineville. We have watched the attrition of nurses and support staff firsthand. COVID was not an issue on the floor in practice. What we saw and heard from all of the nurses and CNAs was the lack of staffing and the working conditions that they were subject to. Not working the same ward floor with no notice um, were the biggest problems. Most of his nurses were travel nurses who were preparing to head off to their next contract someplace else. He is now in his second month in a rehab center 
uh, the staffing levels there, both in the nursing ranks and the support staff, uh, CNAs, housekeeping, and kitchen staff. Uh, the medical system is broken, in my view. Insurance, care facilities, and general management. It is truly a, sa- a shame. Thanks for reading. That is from Nick. Uh, and uh, Nick, I appreciate the message, and I hope your dad is on the path to recovery, and he th- and, and he gets well soon. Um, yeah, I, this is the thing. I I don't know what the strain is due to, and. When the health director gets up at the county commission meeting, which, by the way, got to point this out, county commissioners also act as our board of public health, even though none of them are qualified to do so. Um, He doesn't explain why they are being overrun, how many of them, to what extent, like what are the factors involved here? Because if it's because of lack of vaccination, is it because and by the way, that then starts you start going down a path on that one where is it because some of these uh, nurses are are afraid of getting the vaccine? They don't want to get the vaccine. I don't think that nurses could be qualified as anti-science. Right. I mean, they work in the medical field, but I, I'm not up on the on the, the, the mob lingo yet. So I'm not sure. Um, but maybe it's also that they already had covid. And they're not interested in getting it, uh, getting the shots because they've already had COVID and they believe in natural immunity. They think, and they say they've got that. I don't know. That's what I mean. When when you get up and you make the case, like you're giving this briefing to the public to make the case, you have to keep persuading people. He also talked about how the vaccination uh, and boosters that uh, it's been slow. It has slowed down. People are not. Uh, getting them. And so uh, what was, you know, they were making some good progress earlier, but it is now slowed down. Well, if you want people to uh, to get vaccinated and to get the boosters and you want to improve those numbers, you're still trying to persuade. And it's so frustrating. I hear these people who are telling me, go get vaccinated, go get vaccinated. It's the same message. Now, for a year, you've been saying the same thing to me. I'm already vaccinated. So the message isn't working on me, okay? You're going to have to figure out a better way to sell this, a different way to say it. And they're not not even trying. The best way through this is with the vaccines. Yeah, I heard you a year ago. I heard you a year ago. I got vaccinated. Oh, and now I'm watching people who are double vaccinated, uh, they are double jabbed and boosted, sometimes with with a fourth, and they're still getting it and spreading it. So, what's the pitch? Now, don't you say you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. Well, Ned Ryerson. Bang! Oh, first shot right out of the box. So, how's it going, old buddy? Well, uh, to say the truth, Nettie, I'm not feeling real well. Would you excuse me? Well, you know, it's funny you should mention your health because you will never guess what I do now. Do you sell insurance? <laughs> Bing again, you are sharp as a tack today. News Talk 1199.3 WBT. Happy Groundhog Day. You should totally uh, maybe watch the movie tonight. I don't get any kind of royalties for that. I'm just saying it's a good movie. Have I already said that? Uh, All righty, let me go over here to Tim. Tim, don't make me regret this. Welcome to the program. Pete, I actually am sending you royalties. It's Canadian (laughs) money, $10 for that uh, Groundhog Day plug. Thank you. I got to tell you, man, when you're playing that Led Zeppelin as your intro music, 
I always laugh because I had the great pleasure of meeting Robert Plant in Albany, Georgia. Not Albany, Georgia, excuse me, Albany, New York. And um, I had the greater pleasure of meeting Mike Tyson in the same hotel. And Mike said, who's that guy with the long hair? And I said, I think that's Robert Plant. And he said, Led Zeppelin. And the two of us got, he actually talked that way. And the two of us walked over there and spoke to Robert Plant and said, are you Mike Tyson? And he, hey, Robert Plant, I trained you in music, Ledger. I love it. Of course, I didn't get an intro. I had to sit there and sweat it out. But, you know, it was a wonderful, I'm going to send you an email. I'll shoot you an email and tell you the whole story because it's quite amazing. We met Judge Bork on the same project, which was just whoop, crazy. But um, I had a I had a great time with those two guys. I loved listening to Led Zeppelin as your music. And dude, I am so excited about your weight loss. Keep rocking, man. Keep All rocking. Right. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. I'm not sure if the voice impressions are actually going to come through on the email, but I will try to read them. Remembering your voices in my mind as I do it. Okay. Uh, let me go over here to Sal. Welcome to the show, Sal. What's going on? Hey, Pete. How's it going, bud? Hey. All right. What's new? <laughs> Bing. Um, <laughs> so I work with a medical facility here in town. Uh, I'm not going to say which one for obvious reasons, but sure. uh, the problem going on right now is pure pay. nurses are making a ton of more money traveling and that is it and all they need to do is just drive three hours up the street to raleigh and get paid almost two times if not three times what they're making currently a simple fix you just pay your nurses more you pay your your staff more you're going to retain them it's real simple and they just don't want to do it so now you have high nursing turnover they don't know the system they don't know the doctors they don't know the, the the protocols and, and you start having issues. You start having breakdowns. And the ultimate issue is patient care suffers. Right. No, I, yeah, I, I, I do believe that any organization that uh, undervalues its employees is going to fail. Because, and I don't know what that value is. It's different for every organization, right? And I'm not going to, you know, say this is what you know you need to pay certain people. But like the the market forces give you this indication. And, and if if as you've just outlined, if this is correct, then it seems to me like the signals that are being sent should convey the message that you've just articulated. And if the organization doesn't recognize the signals, then that says to me that they may be undervaluing their employees. Absolutely. And and it hasn't been just during COVID. I mean, this has been, uh, you know, ongoing for several years. Um, and the, 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 the fix was just going from one facility to the other. One would always pay a little bit more than the other. So you would just jump back and forth every right. few years. You would you would just leave one facility, go to the other facility. So that's what the nurses would do. But now you make so much more money doing uh, travel nursing, uh, travel respiratory therapists, uh, PAs, doctors. It, it just it, it doesn't make any sense to stay uh, in these big facilities if they're not going to pay. And, and it makes no sense because 
you know, I could go and be a nurse, uh, a travel nurse, and work at the same facility and make two times the amount that I was making at that same facility a week earlier. So why is that? How does that make sense? Is it because you're being paid as an independent contractor and you have to eat the taxes? Well, you're paying independent contractors. You're you're contracted out through a company, and that company, um, you know, they they negotiate with the hospital and said, yeah, we could provide X right. nurses. Um, so why, but, but you uh, have to pay this? So why, but from a hospital perspective, why would that be a cheaper deal than just hiring the staff? Why are you paying twice as much for the same worker when you could have the worker on staff pay them, say? You know, not the not a hundred percent increase, but an eighty percent increase. You would save twenty percent. Why? It seems like a, a completely counterintuitive move. Absolutely, it is a counterintuitive move, and we we scratch our heads all the time as caregivers. You know, I'm here. You know, seeing patients to take great care, and and there are no nurses around. Uh, you know, units are closed, beds are closed because they don't have enough staff for it, and it just down to why are they willing to pay a traveling nurse, uh, a respiratory therapist, or whoever more money than just raising the salary of somebody else five dollars? Right. I think in the long term they think it's just going to die away, and they'll wind up, you know, in the positive more doing it this way than raising everybody's salary by a few dollars. Yeah. Make no, no that's sense it. at all. It really doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, I appreciate the insight. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for the call, Sal. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, some, yeah. I, I don't understand the finances, uh, and a lot of people don't. Heck, even the state treasurer, Dale Falwell, <laughs> tries, to figure, tries to figure out the finances in the hospital system and is left scratching his head. I mean, professionals that are better at math than me, you know, they... They can't follow it either. All right, so I did not get to the audio, uh, all of the audio that I spent all of that time laboring away, watching the county commission meeting last night. So you didn't have to. Um, let me see here. I do have a couple of uh, messages here. This is uh, Joseph says, I sliced my leg open and sat in the ER waiting room for four hours before I was ever seen by a nurse. This was in 2017. The ER has always been a poop show. Throw on a respiratory virus, even a bad flu season, and, of course, it becomes unraveled. I got another email. Uh, uh, similarly, uh, you know, same story where it's like I was in there before and, uh, before COVID, and there were problems before. So, yeah, I mean, there are problems. So to say it's all because of COVID, the hospitals are strained because of COVID, it's an oversimplification, which, again, if you're trying to sell me on particular policy agendas, then you're going to have to do better. You're, you're just going to have to do better because you're, you're working from a trust deficit with me. Now, maybe, not the, maybe that's not the case for everybody else, but I'm a persuadable person and you're operating at a deficit. Stick around. Brett Winterbull coming up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.